This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin'. You people again? I didn't ask for this shit. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I did. Welcome to the Troll Patrol Live. It's a freaking Wednesday. Warlord. I fucking love that dude. That Hans Neiman. <laughs> fucking love that dude. But clearly, clearly, if we're going to have a clean chess championship, he's going to have to bend over and cough. He's going to have to bend over and cough like they do when they put you in the prison. <laughs> welcome, welcome, Warlord RB. Good evening. I'm not high enough for this shit because I'm not really high at all because I'm blaming it on socks. He was looking all cute. I laid down with him. I fell asleep. Lucky for me, I had already started putting the show together. <laughs> So, like, it, anal be <laughs> ah, 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 anal be <laughs> Are you a Hans Neiman fan? Or are you the opposite of a Hans Neiman fan? Yeah, Neiman, Neiman, that's how you say it. Warlord sent me the video of... <laughs> Hans Neiman passing through security at the U.S. Chess Championship. <laughs> he didn't look very impressed. Everybody in the chat was like, check his ass, check his ass. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, I don't know how you couldn't now. Everybody's talked about this. The, what was it, the World Chess Championships? The, the man who ended up winning got accused of cheating. Because his opponent beat around the bush for a little while. And then apparently said, I think he had anal beads inside of him. And somebody was sitting in the crowd <laughs> with, with like AI on their phone doing the, the moves. And then using like a, a Morris code type signal. I don't know if it was Morris code. But, you know, a series of, like, dot, dot, dash kind of deal. <laughs> I I want to know how the how the other dude... He, oh, he was just winning a match against the best player in the world. It wasn't part of the World Chess Championship, is what you're saying. He, he, it was just like an exhibition against the, the, the best place, uh, the best player in the world. Not Morris Code. Morse Code. Morris is a completely different person. Okay, thank you, Warlord. Thank you for clearing that up. Uh, Producer Warlord always coming with the facts here in the chat. Here is your meme of the day. People appreciating me for not sending dick pics to random girls. Me knowing it's not normal to send dick pics to girls. Matter of fact, I have the opposite problem... I think women want dick pics from me when I haven't sent them. And they're like, why haven't you sent me a dick pic yet? Well, Warlord. Well, well, it's funny you should say that. Because here at the end of the show, 
We've got we've got back to back to back zingers here first. And these are these are the last stories. This is when we get to the fun part of the show, because boy, do I have a bummer of a show for you tonight. Here, here on the stream that has rainbow colors and a troll head, I'm going to tell you all about executions and the coming economic collapse and how the U.S. is, is an oligarchy. We're going to talk about nuclear war. I'm going to bum you the fuck out tonight. But at the end of the show, including a school that had a picture of Hitler, it had a picture of Hitler like, they're now apologizing for having a portrait of Hitler up in the class. I we'll get the full story. I mean, in historical con like if you've got a a board of shitty people and they're like behind the bastards type deal going on here, then having a picture of Hitler up there is totally cool, but like was it like how my 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 Civics teacher had presidents all over the the classroom. Is that what? Like, we'll find out. We'll find out. Plus, we didn't get to it last night. A school in California apologizing, and their football team forfeiting the season for holding a slave auction. But at the end of the show, we've got some fun things. Hopefully. A woman in Texas is going to warn us about the new Disney movie Hocus Pocus 2 and the witchcraft that's in it. Matt Walsh is going to review uh, a gay rom-com which apparently flopped at the box office. And then we're going to wrap up the show by letting Tucker restore our manhood. So how does that sound, Warlord? <laughs> Tell you more? <laughs> Did they have solid? Well, I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna have to get the full story. That's why you should stick around here on the Troll Patrol. I try I try to have interesting stories for you every night. And the this is called a teaser or a billboard at the top of the show where I'm trying to make you interested enough to stick around for the whole goddamn thing. You see, that's how this works. I'm I'm more of a traditional broadcaster than I am a streamer. I, my, I think my show resembles more of a traditional broadcast than a stream. Is there no on-screen graphic for that? Did you activate the... So get back to the news. You didn't activate the graphic. <laughs> Can't wait for Tugger to restore all our manhoods. Hit the graphic and see if it works, Warlord. I don't even know. I'm not high enough for the news yet. Well, here's the thing. If we do the news, we're, we got to start with, like, the threat of nuclear war. That's that's what we start off with tonight. <laughs> we're going to talk about nuclear materials possibly being transported in a train. We're going to talk about a, a submarine. Did you hit the thing? Yeah, get back to the news. It didn't work, apparently. I will have to fix that. That, that is a graphic that's not working. 
Cancel Justin indeed. Cancel stream elements. We're going to talk about a submarine that went missing and might have been spotted in the Arctic. Now time for the news. Nuke train. Nuke train is what we're starting off. No, no, no. I'm sorry. We're not starting off with nuke train exactly. First off, in breaking news tonight, Putin has seized Europe's largest nuclear power plant. Has signed laws annexing Ukrainian land. OPEC has cut oil production. This is from USA Today. We're going to get the latest updates. Hey, what the fuck? Make it a little bigger over here. Russian President Vladimir Putin signed a decree on Wednesday claiming ownership of the beleaguered Zafiforia power plant. Zafiforisa. I'm fucking it up, I'm sure. Even as the director of Ukraine's nuclear power company said he would assume operations of the plant, which is Europe's largest nuclear facility. The announcement came hours after Putin signed laws annexing the Zafirista region, region earlier in the day. Intergotum chief Petro Kotin said he would be running the Russian-held plant from the capital, Kiev. The company called Putin's decree worthless and absurd. The plant has been the focus of deep global concerns. Both sides blame each other for bombings that have damaged parts of the plant and threatened to trigger a catastrophe. International nuclear experts warn. The need for the nuclear safety and security protection zone around Zafirisa nuclear power plant is now more urgent than ever According to a tweet from Rafael Grossi, the director general of the International Atomic Energy Agency, the plant's Ukrainian director was kidnapped Friday and released this week by Russian forces who occupy the facility. Ukrainian workers continue to operate the plant, which halted power generation last month. Other developments, a former Russian state TV journalist charged with spreading false information after staging an on-air protest against the war said in a Facebook post on Wednesday that she has released herself from house arrest. Cool. Good on her. Marina Avizkanova's ex-husband said she fled with her young daughter. A Russian cosmonaut rocketed from U.S. soil for the first time in 20 years Wednesday, launching to the International Space Station alongside NASA and Japanese astronauts despite tensions. Over the war in Ukraine, Russian troops used six Iranian drones to strike the town of Bailatrevska in the Kiev region, leaving one person wounded, Ukraine's presidential office said. Strikes were the first on the town since March when the Russians retreated from the area around the Ukrainian capital. Now, has a Russian train been spotted carrying... Nuclear materials. We are going to be watching a video from Voice of America, but it was just the best video I could find. Russia has the largest stockpile of nuclear weapons in the world. And experts say it holds 10 times more tactical nuclear weapons than the United States. In March 2018, Russian President Vladimir Putin unveiled an array of new weapons saying they could hit almost any point in the world and not be intercepted. Now that Putin is suffering military losses in Ukraine, he has threatened to use any means at his disposal 
to defend Russia. On Tuesday, the White House responded to unconfirmed reports that Russia may be moving nuclear weapons toward the border with Ukraine. We take any nuclear uh, nuclear weapons or nuclear saber rattling very seriously here, uh, but I do want to say, uh, as do want to say that um, we have not seen any reason to adjust our own strategic nuclear posture, nor do we have indication that Russia is preparing to imminently use uh, nuclear weapons. In the face of well, let's hope. Losses, Russia announced a mobilization that has caused hundreds of thousands of Russians to flee the country. National security expert Mitchell Wallerstein says if Putin were to use nuclear weapons, he would break a longtime taboo. Were he to do so, this would be crossing a red line that no country has crossed uh, since uh, World War II. And uh, when the U.S. did it, is that, uh, as he is increasingly just just to point out. The only per- the only entity to cross that red line is the U.S. <laughs> cornered and finds that he has limited options, that he might try uh, to use a small tactical nuclear weapon, much smaller probably than the one that was the ones that were used in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, to basically uh, either to try to decapitate the uh, Ukrainian regime in Kiev or to simply do a demonstration to say, look, this is what I can do. Other experts are also concerned. James Acton is co-director of the Nuclear Policy Program at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. I think if this war goes in a very bad direction for Putin, um, I think if he's facing a catastrophic military defeat, uh, if his hold on power uh, looks in jeopardy, Uh, if the Russian economy looks on the brink of collapse, then I can't rule out the possibility of Russia using nuclear weapons. I mean, all of those things are happening right now, presently, right? Uh, But I think it's more likely now than at any time since the end of the Cold War, for sure. Acton says he believes that, despite his bravado, Putin does not think he can use nuclear weapons to win the war against Ukraine. That was the first thing I said, Monsoor. They were talking about... uh, uh, not crossing the red line since uh, World War II, and I'm like, when the U.S. did it! When the U.S. did it! What's up, Mandy? Western Good Bank, evening. The United States in particular, that the threat of further escalation, the threat of a even worse all-out nuclear war, uh, could terrify them into backing down, into suing for peace, into making concessions, into giving Putin a face-saving way out. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, says his forces are making rapid gains, retaking dozens of villages in eastern and southern Ukraine. Russia's defense ministry has conceded that Russian forces have retreated in the face of Ukraine's counteroffensive. Nuclear experts tell VOA that were Putin to move nuclear weapons closer to Ukraine, the U.S. would know about it. Cindy Sane, VOA News. So I guess that, and this was uh, published in just the last few hours. This is uh, October 5th. This was today. So this was a pretty up-to-date piece. Um, It seems that the U.S. doesn't think that the train was carrying nuclear weapons. However, 
Poland saying this is really worrying to me. Poland suggests hosting U.S. nuclear weapons amid growing fears of Putin's threats. The request is widely seen as symbolic as moving nuclear warheads closer to Russia would make them less militarily useful. Make them less militarily useful. This is like... We're rebooting the uh, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, it seems. Poland says it is asked to have uh, U.S. nuclear weapons based on its territories. Amid growing... (laughs) Fears that Vladimir Putin could resort to using nuclear arms in Ukraine to stave off a rout of his invading army. The request from the Polish president, Andres Duda, is widely seen as symbolic as moving nuclear warheads closer to Russia would make them more vulnerable and less militarily useful, according to experts. Furthermore, the White House has said it had not received such a request. We're not aware of this issue being raised and would refer you to the government of Poland. Duda's announcement appears to be the latest example of nuclear signaling as the U.S. and its allies seek to deter Putin from the first nuclear use in battle since 1945 by the U.S. (laughs) While preparing... They always leave that off. While preparing potential responses if deterrence fails that would have maximum punitive impact while containing the risk of escalation to an all-out war. Greetings, Lenny. Good evening. I'm sorry, Mandy. Am I am I making you a little jealous? Ah, refreshing. I just I I don't know what to make of the whole situation. I don't like going into analysis on on shit like this because it's a murky situation. What do I know sitting in uh, a bedroom in Tennessee about what the fuck is going on in Ukraine and Russia? I just bring you the latest updates and try to give you a good picture of what is going on. I have no analysis of other than from a U.S. policy perspective that I think we're giving way too much money to Ukraine. However, it seems to be working. I uh, I mean, I might have to admit I was wrong on that, but also I have a feeling a, a an accounting of the money we have sent over there is, means we've wasted billions upon billions. I, I don't know where we go from here like it seems like any peace deal is going to have to appease Putin in some way by giving him some territory but it seems like the Ukraine or Ukraine is not for that as well they probably shouldn't be and the US is backing like it's all it's all so fucking exacerbated by the fact that we have a war economy. That's probably the number one thing in this, is that war is good. War is good for the economy. War is profitable for people. So, I know. Let's bring it back to domestic policy. Unfortunately, I got to hit you with something kind of shitty that happened in the last few hours. 
Uh, a court declares DACA program illegal but leaves the policy intact for nearly 600,000 immigrant dreamers. Uh, we've got a CBS Rivals News piece program, here. Let's better do. known as DACA, is illegal. The Obama-era immigration program shielded from deportation young people brought illegally to the U.S. as children. CBS News immigration reporter Camilo Montoya Galvez joins me for more now. Camilo, break this down for us. Is it that the program itself is illegal or is it the way that President Obama implemented it that it, that it was illegal? In other words, Congress should have done it. I've tried to. The federal appeals court in New Orleans has found that the Obama administration did not have the legal authority to create the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals or DACA program back in 2012. This is the second federal court, John, that has now declared the program illegal. But importantly, as I think you mentioned, the appeals court today decided to leave the program intact in place for current recipients. There are about nearly 600,000 immigrants who are brought to the U.S. as children who do not have legal status, who are currently enrolled in DACA, they will be allowed still to renew their applications for DACA. But the Biden administration, John, is still prohibited from enrolling new immigrants in the DACA program. The appeals court is sending this case back to a federal district court judge in Texas so he can review new rules that the Biden administration created to codify DACA into a federal regulation, but the program will still remain in legal jeopardy because these courts believe that it does not comply with federal immigration law. And if the Biden administration files an appeal, John, I think we will see this case come before the Supreme Court and we may get a final decision on the program's legality. The the Supreme Court will strike it down. Does that mean the 600,000, they're still in, in limbo then? I mean, even though they're protected by this ruling... They still have to wait for future rulings and maybe or maybe even if this goes all the way to the Supreme Court. Is that is that what's where we are? That's right, John. While the courts have allowed current recipients to continue applying for war permits and deportation protections under DACA, those could go away at any moment because, again, these courts do not believe that the federal government has the authority to grant work permit and deportation deferrals to such a large group of people. That is the Republican argument. That is what Texas and other Republican left states have argued in federal court. And again, the Supreme Court is expected, according to legal experts, to side with these Republican left states if it takes up this issue and rule that the administration does not have the authority to implement this program. So this program still remains uh, very much under legal jeopardy. And I would be remiss, John, if I did not underscore the fact that This is an issue that has lacked congressional action for decades now, despite the broad bipartisan support among lawmakers and the American public for this population. Congress has repeatedly failed to pass a so-called DREAM Act that would allow these young undocumented immigrants, or some of them are adults now, to apply for green cards or permanent residency and ultimately U.S. citizenship. An important point. Back in Congress's lap again, probably, on this one. Camillo, thank you for walking us through that. Thank you, John. There you go. Uh, Still a long legal battle ahead. I feel sorry for the 600,000 who are currently in the program who have been in limbo for, what, eight years now? 
We're going to go to Firefighter Nation, a firefighter website, because that's how hard it is to find news on labor stories. Two Amazon warehouses catch fire on Monday. New York workers walk out to protest safety. 50 workers have been laid off in retaliation. An Amazon warehouse fire prompted unionized workers at the company's Staten Island warehouse to put down their tools on Monday in protest of the conditions at the facility. Meanwhile, in Huntsville, Alabama, an Amazon distribution center caught fire for the second time in a week. So this is the one in Huntsville, Alabama. A fire Monday night at the Amazon Fulfillment Center in Madison. The center recently caught fire last Monday, September 26th, uh, and no employees were injured in either fire. This is still a developing story. News 19 will keep you updated on air at WHNT.com and on our News 19. We're going to take a look at the fire inside of the Staten Island facility. The Amazon warehouse on Staten Island overnight with employees claiming the company put their health at risk after a fire. CBS 2's Ali Bauman reports from Bloomfield. BTO! 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 About 100 Amazon workers stage a march through the warehouse facility on Staten Island Monday night, demanding to be sent home with... No, just an unsafe factory, Orby. Unsafe um, work environment. It started when a compactor caught fire by the loading dock around 4 p.m., shortly before the shift changeover. Tristan Martinez took this video. It was at like 5.15 where they told us that we could go home. About a half hour after daytime and... <laughs> to leave, the night shift employees started to arrive. They claim Amazon managers did not tell them about the fire. There was no message uh, from Amazon whatsoever. So all of us just came to work in an unsafe environment, not being told anything. The flames were extinguished, but employees claim the smoke still lingered. It started, um, you know... Make me feel like congested. Yep, yep. It was hurting. It, it, it was, you know, it, was, it, was definitely it will hard. fuck you up. It proved that it was safe to work there. They just told us just work right through it. In a statement, an Amazon spokesperson told us in part the FDNY certified the building is safe, and at that point, we asked all night shift employees to report to their regularly scheduled shift. But while the FDNY told us they responded to a fire outside the building, it's unclear if they ever inspected damage inside. I don't think it's right. <laughs> the firefighters like they're liars. It's no more unsafe for them than it was for me. Yeah. Exactly. It's just because they're losing more money by them missing a 10-hour shift than by me going home two hours early. This ordeal comes just a few months after workers at this same warehouse voted to unionize, with Amazon appealing the results. Contract negotiations have stalled in the meantime. In the Bloomfield section of Staten Island, Ali Bauman, CBS2 News. There you go. They've retaliated. And fired 50 workers, 50 workers for their protest, because that is what Amazon does. Which seems like a good segue into this next story. It's official. America is an oligarchy. The Congressional Budget Office confirms that the rich exponentially increased their share of America's wealth over the past 30 years. There's plenty of talk in the American media about the expansion of oligarchy in Russia. 
Satellite of love. Satellite of love. Welcome, my friend. Thank you for being a freaking follower. I feel like with a name like that, you have to live in sexual anarchy. You live in sexual anarchy? There is plenty of talk in America, in American media, about the expansion of oligarchy in Russia and other authoritarian states, but there's no need to look offshore. Oligarchy is an American phenomenon, and it's expanding at an exponential rate, while income inequality is surging. That's according to the most official of official sources when it comes to economic issues. The Congressional Budget Office in a new study of trends in the distribution of family wealth from 1989 to 2019. This doesn't even include. Holy fuck. All of the money that we shoveled at the top 1% during the pandemic. It is just 1989 to 2019. Wealth became less equally distributed over the 30-year period. The share of total wealth held by families in the top 10% of the distribution increased from 63% in 1989 to 72%. In 2019, and the share of total wealth held by families in the top 1% of the distribution increased from 27% to 34% over the same period. By contrast, the share of total wealth held by families in the bottom half of the distribution declined over that period by half from 4% to 2%. Gee, I wonder what could have happened 30 years ago that might have resulted in that. I don't know. Here is where Reagan took office and the top marginal tax rate. Incarcerated Americans when Reagan took over. You see it explode. Here is... Federal debt. You see where Reagan took over. Here is life expectancy versus healthcare spending. (laughs) There's Reagan. What what, what about this one? Uh, Debt in 2014 dollars and as a percent of GDP. The lines, they, they, they switch places there. Weird. And it happens... Right after Reagan takes office. Huh. Percent increase since 1970 in the annual cost to attend the University of Illinois and the median household income in Illinois and the median, uh, the minimum wage in Illinois. Wow. Who would ever say? It's almost like there was a, a policy decision right around this time that caused all this shit to happen. It was, I like to say the Reagan revolution. It was the conservative movement. Uh, there was a, a... It was considered the fringe in the Nixon administration. And it just became more and more potent. The, evan- the merging of this evangelical, uh, hardcore conservatism... But you can see when it really took over. 
to the point that even the Democrats completely changed their policy positions, became third way blue dog. We need a true leftist party in this country. Morgan Stanley is warning that we are on the verge of stocks coming crashing. The economy enters a danger zone. Reading from Forbes. Stock market broke a historic two-day rally on Wednesday as analysts warned it's still too early to celebrate given a rash of looming risks, including incoming corporate reports that are likely to show just how badly deteriorating economic conditions are affecting company earnings. Dow Jones Industrial Average fell nearly 200 points, or 0.6%. And this was by midday today, pairing a massive two-day gain of nearly 6%, while the S&P 500 and tech-heavy Nasdaq slumped 0.9% and 1.3% respectively. Primary question on many investors' minds has once again shifted to when the Federal Reserve pivots, not if. Morgan Stanley strategist. You got to try to read between the lines here. And, and I'm dumb when it comes to economics, but I think... I think most of these fucks don't know what they're talking about either. But if I had to guess what that means is they are upset that the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates on the banks. And they are willing to crash the economy to make sure, because right now workers have power and consumer confidence Consumer confidence continues to be far higher than they expected it to be. So it seems like they're wanting to crash the economy in order to get the spigot flowing of the, like, free money. That's what it was. That's what quantitative easing basically is, was the Fed just giving, giving our tax dollars to these fucking banks. I don't know this for a fact. I don't. I don't know about uh, economics. It's not my fucking wheelhouse. But if I had to guess, that is exactly what these fucks are saying right now. And that sounds like because that sounds like a threat. The primary question on many investors' minds has once again shifted to when the Federal Reserve pivots, not if. It's a warning. Morgan Stanley strategist Michael Wilson wrote in a note, say wrote in a note, saying the economy has entered a danger zone. Danger zone! In which Fed policy has become restrictive enough that financial and economic stress is bound to occur. Wilson says it's only a matter of time before a fast and furious market event convinces the Fed to back off on interest rate hikes, which help tame inflation by undercutting uh, demand, but he cautions that no one yet knows what type of event that will be. Big business are, is, is by far the biggest deadbeats on the planet. Wait till you hear what Papa John had to say. 
<laughs> Wait till you hear what Papa John had to say. The stock market is wrong. The economy isn't going to blow a gasket just yet, warns an economist. So I'm trying to give you multiple perspectives here. Uh, that last article was from Forbes. This is from uh, Market Watch. While the year's sharp sell-off in stocks might feel brutal, particularly after the carnage of September, the S&P 500 remains about 17.1% above year-end 2019 levels. <laughs> These fucks. Just raking it in. And then bitching about the Fed raising interest rates. By seriously insignificant amounts. Look up what the interest rate was in the fucking 80s. Like 17, 18% at least. I might even be wrong. It might have been higher than that. This, uh, that isn't low enough given the likely scope of Federal Reserve actions needed to bring surging inflation back to the central bank's 2% annual target, according to Stephen Blitz, chief U.S. economist at T.S. Lombard. Yes, markets are being routed, but to date, they are resetting from two rich price levels created by Fed policies that went on way too long, Blitz said in a recent client note. Financial conditions are consequently tightening, but are not yet enough to justify concerns the economy is about to blow a gasket. Blitz pointed to how little financial conditions have tightened, see the chart, relative to past recessions to bolster his case for why the Fed still needs to raise its policy rate by more than anticipated. I think my chat is already pretty commie, isn't it? I, I oftentimes say that my chat is further to the left than I am, and I think that's true. I'm a pretty big I'm a pretty big institutionalist. I have a lot of problems with those institutions, and I'm gonna let you people hear about it. I wouldn't doubt that airlines only make a profit because they get subsidized, which is a fantastic fucking argument for why we should build high speed rail. <laughs> We should take those subsidies, build high-speed rail. And I, I'm, I'm, I may be wrong on this, but I'm assuming like some kind of magnet bullet train is is way better for the environment than an airplane. I am totally I like nationalize virtually all transportation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I have to go on a case by case basis and 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 hear arguments, but. Pretty much nationalize it all. Yes, satellite of love. Oh, you're you're kind of new here. Maybe maybe you've been lurking around. Um, for me to go ahead and sum up my political beliefs, uh, I can do it in one phrase. I would give anything, anything in the world to piss in Dan Crenshaw's open eye hole. Now, I'm very big on the idea that there are certain segments of the economy that should be run by the government. Uh, healthcare, uh, energy, for sure. Those are are sectors that the government and like. This is I am from Eastern Kentucky. I'm from the coal fields of Eastern Kentucky. I've wondered all my goddamn life how a company can own something that's in the ground. How how can there be a private company that owns coal? 
How can you own the the fossilized remains of dinosaurs, you fucks? How can Exxon own oil? That makes no sense to me. It should absolutely be ran for the benefit of uh, the people and the country to fit our needs. And you see in like new, uh, in Norway, they've been able to make a better transition to renewable energy because they have a, a nationalized energy system. Disposable thumb. And then there are, are, are sectors of the economy that I think would be best run as like co-ops and the government should uh, finance that, okay? Uh, a robust steel industry is good for the country. So the country should invest in, in making a co-op and then you hire all the people to run the co-op and then it just runs on itself. You know, there'll have to be regulations. There'll, there'll still be OSHA in place. But then you don't get people shipping your jobs overseas. And you don't get the supply chain disruptions that we see during COVID. But then there's certain segments like fucking restaurants can be privately owned and compete with each other. Fine and dandy. Walmart should be nationalized just because it depends. It depends on uh, subsidies from the government, both on tax policy, the incentives that local municipalities give Walmarts to come and locate there, and they'll usually move just outside of the city. They'll move just outside of a city in some like big shopping center to where they can avoid paying the city taxes, and they pull all the fucking... Uh, uh, Retail and foot traffic out of the city into this goddamn horrid ass shopping center on, on the on the side of a highway somewhere, and it sucks. So, to me, the way that we have have subsidized WalMarts all over the country, we should go ahead and take it over. Walton family, you've made enough goddamn money. Fuck you. Take over the WalMarts. Use it as a distribution center where the government buys shit in bulk. And you can go and you can get cheap paper towels. You can get fucking uh, cheap foodstuffs. Did Tones pop in here? Good evening, Tones. Some restaurants could run as a co-op. I like there are certain things that I could see being uh, uh, in private hands, and that was another in the in the uh, debate with Rob the other day. He's like, "Well, give me examples." I'm like, "Well, what I do," and he's like, "Oh, of course, you can have a problem. You can own your own company." Ah! But I work in media, like making like making movies and television and shit doesn't affect anybody's life. So there's no reason that that can't be a private production company. Make workers 50% of any corporate board. Love it. Love it. I'm all for these types of ideas. Best vegetarian breakfast since 1965. Hell yeah. Check that out if you're ever in, I guess that's Mabel's, Florida. There is a fantastic, and like it's been 10 years since I've been there, 
There's a fantastic uh, vegetarian restaurant. It might even be vegan. In Asheville. And like, I'm not... I'm not... I, I don't think it was vegan. I think it was vegetarian. Like, I'm not a, a vegetarian kind of guy. But like, my God. I had some uh, like fried tofu with mashed potatoes and gravy. And some kind of fucking salad and shit. Like, it was awesome! It was fucking fantastic! You're exactly right, Mox. National products don't work under oligarchy. Ocean Spray is a co-op. Hell yeah. I'm not a big fan of the cranberry juice. I like apple juice. I like a uh, tropical fruit punch kind of deal. Not Just not a big fan of the cranberry. I don't like a lot of sour stuff. Well, Papa John is sour, though. Papa John's billionaire founder, John Shatner, slammed for saying he lost a home in Florida when his $6 million condo was damaged during Hurricane Ian. You know, oh, I, I take that back. I like cran- I don't even drink, but you know where I like a cranberry juice and a redheaded slut? Mm, that's a good drink. That's a good drink. Papa John upset. (laughs) Going on Newsmax, apparently, and doing the oh, poor me. Saying he lost a home. (laughs) Saying he lost his home in Hurricane Ian. You're currently in Utah, but we're seeing the images of your home in Naples. It appears it is completely underwater. Boy, just seeing all those images, it's heartbreaking. Can you tell us uh, the aftermath in your neighborhood? Yeah, that gives you a little bit of perspective mm-hmm. on a picture just how devastating Nikki! is. I'm not really worried myself because I have the resources and, and the team and the institutional knowledge, but you, you just can't imagine how bad this is. And my heart goes out to the folks uh, in Florida, that yeah, I lost a home. They've lost everything. They lost their home, their you know their assets. Their it's just uh... Charlie Sheen let himself go. Uh, everybody, poor poor Papa John. He lost his home in the hurricane. You know, uh, he might have a few million he could donate to the cause down there. Also, I, I, I like being factual. He was on OAN, not Newsmax. My apologies. Biden was in Florida earlier today. Touring the damage. We begin with the aftermath of Hurricane Ian and President Biden and First Lady Dr. Jill Biden. They're meeting with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis today and the First Lady of Florida as well. Trans fat back in pizza. I am all for it. After Hurricane Ian tore through the region. For more, ABC News, Ike Jochi joins me live from Venice. Ida, good evening. Martin Moten joins us here in Washington. Kenneth, uh, President Biden, Governor Ron DeSantis, they are bitter political opponents. How did today's discussion go? It appears that it went well, both men praising each other, uh, which is a first because publicly we typically see a lot of criticism, especially on the Ron DeSantis side of things. Uh, this really loud and harsh conservative voice who is known for criticizing everything from the president's mental state uh, to his politics. Uh, but you heard the president heaping. Yeah, I'm amazed like he didn't let Biden get there. He's like, let's go, Brandon. Bro! 
praise on uh, the job. The Wearing a MAGA hat. A uh, quote directly from the president there that he has done in the wake of Ian. Uh, you see the two men who were shaking hands there. And then later on, we were able to hear from the president uh, and Ron DeSantis uh, as they gave an update on the uh, the federal response, which has just been extraordinary here. Uh, and even though, yes, they are political rivals, these two men, especially Ron DeSantis, they need each other because people are suffering. The people of Florida who uh, survived this hurricane, who lost everything in some cases, uh, they need the help of the federal government, which is why you've seen those federal disaster funds uh, be rolled out so quickly and be approved by the Biden administration. And the president thought it was important, the White House thought it was important for the president to get on the ground there as soon as possible in Florida uh, to survey the damage. And he was able to see some really intense damage there, uh, according to the reports we're getting down there from the FEMA director, who also said that... I'm I'm stunned by some of the video we're seeing right now. ...costly disasters we've seen in years, billions of dollars uh, in damage to infrastructure, and it is this federal government, the Biden administration, who is going to be tasked with helping Florida uh, get out of this mess and start to rebuild. All right. And, and obviously, that's really the purpose of the meeting today, to show a united front, state government, federal government, Democrat, Republican, political opponents, but all there, they're saying, for the recovery efforts. And Ike, you've been in Venice there for several days now, reporting on that community, getting to know it. How are recovery efforts progressing today? Well, today we're definitely seeing a ramping up of the federal presence and, like you said, the overall recovery efforts here today. Back on Monday when I was speaking to residents, a lot of them were really saying that they haven't seen FEMA or any kind of federal presence on the ground, and it was something that they really wanted to see. Today, that's not so much the case. What we're seeing today is all... Well, yeah, I think, like... We heard from local officials on Monday that they were, like, still in search and rescue mode. So I, 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 we heard from the FEMA official that they had been ready and staged before this all happened. So uh, I'm not exactly sure what the holdup was, if it was just waiting to, to let the waters recede to where they could come in and start the, the uh, cleanup. All of those linemen, we heard Governor Ross Oh, there are gators all over the place, apparently. They've been all throughout these streets here in Venice, really working on the power. That's been a major, major complaint from several of the residents here. It is 90 degrees here in Florida right now, and a lot of these homes, they don't have any power, which means they don't have working air conditioning or they don't even have a working ceiling fan. Getting that power on will at least give some temporarily temporary relief for those residents really stuck in their homes right now. In terms of some of the other residents right now, they're just looking to see how they can put the pieces back together. The damage here in Venice is extensive, and it's not necessarily from the floodwaters, but it's from the wind. That's what's making so much of the issues here right now. And the residents here tell me that the fact that the President, Bi- President Biden is here working in conjunction with Governor Ron DeSantis is certainly a positive sign, Terry. It is, and and uh, the optics of it are just as important in some ways uh, as, as the substance. It is a commitment that is beginning now and will have to go probably past both these men's administrations in Florida and in Washington. And Kenneth, uh, the president is also going to cross the aisle uh, figuratively to speak and meet with another Republican, Senator Rick Scott, who is a another bitter political adversary. What do we know about that? And an update, uh, not only did he re- meet with Rick Scott uh, just uh, within the hour or so, Terry, he also met with Marco Rubio. So that... 
Next, he's going to go sniff some young girls with Matt Gates. Come on, man. If you're doing the math with me here, Terry, that means three Florida Republicans <laughs> who say a lot of bad things about Joe Biden who had to come face to face with him, shake his hand and to essentially say, yeah, we need all those federal dollars. We need your help. And in some cases, Marco Rubio uh, and even DeSantis, good congressman who voted against aid for Superstorm Sandy for New Jersey and New York. Uh, and in and in some of those voting records, there can be a little complicated. But the basic the, the, the foundation and what we know here is that they voted against it. Uh, and, and in some cases, like Marco Rubio, I want to make sure I get all the points out here. Marco Rubio actually then eventually did vote for aid. But when they initially voted against it, uh, he said it wasn't clean. Uh, they said that it was because they had extra things on it. it, had extra pork on it, something we know very well here in Washington. Uh, and some would say that was just an excuse not to give a million. It was an excuse. Aid, and now you're asking for a lot of money for your state here. But that's the politics of it all. But at the end of the day, you've got the White House here saying we are one. Those, now, now, those were those were nice trailers. Uh, trailer parks like that are, are, are really nice. They usually have... Uh, like they're old people and stuff most of the time, so we are better. We're appealing. Let's not diss the trailer part. And when you see people in need after a devastating storm ripped through your state, uh, it's the federal government and your local. Not saying that you were, Mox. Together to be there for you, and and it does tend to be the case that in America you see the best uh, and, and not the worst of people after a disaster. And I, I want to go to you on that. You know. We talk a lot about politics. We talk too much about politics. Our politics are divided bitterly in, in many ways. Do you sense that? Uh, Honey, I do a political talk show. You can't tell me that I talk too much about politics. If anything, I'm not talking enough about politics. These fucks here in the chat get me off topic on music and food, TV shows and shit. They are. They're disaster magnets. They are very susceptible to... to uh, domestic fires, uh, they're easily destroyed when a tornado hurricane comes through, uh, prone to flooding. They have, uh, issues with floorboards a lot of the times. There are, there are trade-offs for everything. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about Trump's meeting with Democrats, apparently he wanted to know if he was going to run against uh, Bernie in a wheelchair. A court has granted a DOJ motion to allow them to continue their investigation into Trump. The Arizona GOP uh, chair pled the fifth when testifying in front of the January 6th committee. Ken Paxton, the attorney general in Texas, who was indicted like five years ago, has now been ordered to testify in an abortion case. We're going to talk about an execution in Texas, which may have already been carried out. A cop has gone missing after being sentenced for assault. A man in Florida... Facing serious charges after he went into a police department with a gun. I think we have video of that, so. A school in California held a slave auction 
A school in California had a portrait of Hitler. Plus, we're going to get some conservative reviews of Hocus Pocus 2 and uh, the new gay rom-com. <laughs> and Tucker is going to restore our manliness. All that and more on the other side of the break here on the Troll Patrol. Why? I hit Rudy by accident there. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? <laughs> I was rushing to get my meme up. I try I try to always give you a fresh meme after we come back from commercial break. And by fresh I mean rehashing uh uh what, there's that boy or here comes that boy or whatever the fuck that meme was from what, seven years ago, six years ago? <laughs> Classic. Never goes never goes sour. I think what up was a was part of it. I think I speaking of fresh, I think I need a fresh bong. I think this thing is beat. Don't forget, you can get you a Don't Be Like Mike, Mike Lindell shirt, Crack is Whack, at the Freak Store. I was on Crack. Right, right. <laughs> we know, Mike, we know. Not, not, uh, not, not making a value judgment on you, man. Like, I, I've done Crack. I dated a crackhead. It's not my thing. I I would usually uh, be playing video games on the couch, and she was in the bathroom with dude, another women, another woman, two women. Who knew? Who knew what was going on in there? And then every now and again, she she'd like giggle, be like, "Hey, come get you a hit." I'd go in there, I'd take a hit, be like, "Hmm, I don't even know why anybody does this shit. It's not very good." I'd rather just do cocaine. Go back in, sit on the couch, smoke me a bong. Level level myself out there, play some video games. Now I do I do want to point out I I, I make jokes about the the crack whore I dated a lot, but like. We were toxic together. She had her life in order before she met me. <laughs> I had my life in order before I met her. That kind of thing. It's it's a mutual thing. <laughs> uh, and we both lived in sexual anarchy. You live in sexual anarchy? Not long before I broke up with her, she had this uh, this gal come over, and she was a stripper at the local strip club. And uh, me and the stripper, like, like for some reason, like I just did not like her. Like she was, and it could have been that me and the crack whore were not in a good place, and I've been fighting with her. But I think like the crack whore wanted to bring the, the stripper over and have a threesome and get fucked up and like try to try to make sure the relationship doesn't end and me and the stripper ended up like butting heads 
Like we get to we get to the morning and like the stripper is sitting there and like I'm playing video games or something and she and I like start talking like we're actually like getting along and shit and I think it makes the crack more jealous and then then the the stripper left her shirt at our house and she died like three days later she was murdered and some kind of deal that went on so like it was big news in the town. So the crack whore would wear her shirt around the house, and be like, "I'm wearing a dead stripper shirt." Ha ha ha! Had a little bit of a wild life. A little bit of a wild life. As I said, we both had our lives in order. She was she was on her way to being the district manager of Olin Mills or the assistant district manager. Like, not not far from, from that position. They absolutely were, you know, grooming her. I hate to use that word now. The right-wingers have, have really... Uh, they've taken the word and really... Um, tainted it. As if, as if it wasn't already tainted. Anyway, anyway. They were totally, you know, preparing her to take over the role of, like, assistant district manager. And I was the studio manager of an Olin Mills. That's how we met. <laughs> anyway, that's enough story time. You people come for news. For those of you listening to the podcast, it was the Adam Levine meme template with the that boy. Holy fuck. Holy fucking fuck that boy. Trump asked if Bernie Sanders was going to run against him in a wheelchair in 2017 dinner with moderate House Democrats. <laughs> All right, we'll do birds instead. I don't know. Fucking Cicero may be tricking me over here. I might need to watch that. Instead of just putting it all up on the on the screen, what we got going on here? No, I believe it's an actual bird. We might have to, we might have to save this for an animal video. Thank God for... Cra- <laughs> it was actually meth that brought us together. It was actually meth that brought us in. And, and probably just the fact that, like, we both had the hots for each other from, like, the moment we said, like, it, I knew it. I knew it. Like, I was like, mm, this isn't going to be good. Like, it was that instant fucking, like, I, like, I knew it from the, like, I was. Within 12 hours, I knew her better than I knew most people. Totally not a record for me. You live in sexual anarchy? I do. Trump asked if Bernie Sanders was going to run against him in a wheelchair in 2017 dinner with moderate House Democrats. It was according to a book. Every time we do one of these stories, I'm like, I hate that I'm bringing you this advertisement for this book. 
We're going we're gonna to touch on this little tidbit and move on. Trump hosted a group of moderate House Democrats in 2017 as he sought to pass tax reform, but according to a new book, that conversation included little discussion of actual legislation. Instead, he asked the group about a potential Democratic presidential, uh, about Dem- Democratic presidential challengers, including Bernie Sanders. Asked if he would be in a wheelchair ahead of a then-expected 2020 presidential campaign, according to a new book. Sir, are you going to be in a jail cell ahead of a uh, Bernie Sanders 2024 run? Maggie Haberman reports that Trump hosted a group of moderate Democrats, including Reps Stephanie Murphy of Florida and Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey, one of the most corrupt congressmen, for a dinner in June of 2017, where the Democrats pitched him on passing an infrastructure spending package alongside a tax reform bill. According to the book, Trump ended up talking very little about legislation. Instead, he listed off the names of several potential Democratic candidates who might have sought to challenge him for the presidency in 2020. He declared that crooked Hillary would not run again while asking the group about Pocahontas, referring to Elizabeth Warren. Is he going to run in a wheelchair? Trump reportedly asked about independent Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, the self-described socialist firebrand who ran against Clinton in 2016. Averman also reported that Trump was pretending with hand motions to will himself around as he made the remark. Bernie Sanders is far sharper than Trump ever has been. Far like we saw, if you have any doubts, we watched the a Bernie Sanders video. Was it this past Sunday or was it the Sunday before that? And motherfucker is as sharp as he's ever been. It's cool to have to give to Trump. What the hell? Trump also reportedly boasted that he was popular in Murphy's Orlando area district despite losing it to Clinton in the presidential election the previous year while t- taunting Gottheimer that unlike the congressman, he would get to keep my title for life if he were defeated in the polls. God, he's such a petulant child. And I know so many people have used that that descriptor of him, but I mean, what else can you call him? Wish you could feel embarrassment. (laughs) Ironically, Haberman also reported that Trump praised countries with nationalized health care systems. Why don't we want that here, he asked of Scotland's healthcare system, citing the fiscal appearance of male ambulance drivers in conversations with AIDS. Wow. He's a fucking idiot. He's a fucking idiot. Federal Appeals Court has granted the DOJ motion to expedite... The appeal in the special master case. An appeals court on Wednesday granted a motion from the Department of Justice to fast-track its appeal in the special master case involving documents seized in the FBI's search at Mar-a-Lago. Having consulted with the chief judge, the appeal will be assigned to a special merits panel from the classified appeals law randomly selected by the clerk. The 11th Circuit in the Wednesday filing also set the deadline for all briefs to be submitted to the court by November 17th. The 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals sided with the DOJ last month and granted the department's request to resume reviewing classified documents. 
The DOJ on Friday asked the 11th Circuit to expedite its ruling on the special master's appointment, contending that its inability to review non-classified documents was also impeding the investigation. Trump on Monday opposed the DOJ's request to speed up its appeal, saying the government has not and cannot possibly articulate any real risk of loss or harm resulting from a more deliberative process. I kind of doubt that. Let's hear from a U.S. attorney who's going to tell us about Trump's legal uh, legal exposure currently. I don't know where my browser went. Microsoft Edge is a shitty browser. My God. <laughs> oh, that's great. Also, I don't think I had the phone lines open. They will be open here in a second, if you so choose. You'll be assured by that. But what is the danger of taking solace that this Supreme Court will do the right thing? So this court is a difficult this is topic. U.S. Attorney, former U.S. Attorney Jer- Joyce Vance. Term of the court where we know we're looking to see major rights eroded. But the court, when it comes to procedural issues involving the former president, for instance, when it was asked to pass on cases after the election, has been fairly solid. And and so, Nicole, I would say that the one place that you can take heart is that the great thing about being a Supreme Court justice or a federal judge, for that matter, is that you have life tenure. And even the president who appointed you can't remove you from the bench. These justices who've been so resoundingly criticized for having a political agenda unlike any other court before them, if they want to have a moment where they show their independence from the people who put them where they are, then this is their moment. And it's an easy moment for them to take because the case law here is compelling. I think Carol does a great job of pointing out the context here. The the context is a criminal investigation with national security implications. And instead of letting that proceeding go forward, like it would if he was anyone else, the former president files this civil action and tries to get his handpicked judge to shut it down. That's not a process that the Supreme Court is going to look on with any sort of happiness. It doesn't do anything to improve the mood of the country as it considers whether or not it still has confidence in the courts. This is in many ways an opportunity yeah, but I don't know that this court cares about that. I don't know that this court cares about that. ...for the Supreme Court to do the right thing and fix some of the damage it's done. And I hope for all of our sakes that they'll take advantage of that opportunity. And if they don't, Joyce? Well, if they don't, they'll make a decision that the 11th Circuit didn't have the right to issue a stay in this case. They will, in essence, return the issue involving the class. Roberts does, yes. It's the rest of them that don't. uh, Continuing to use in its investigation to the special master, Raymond Deary, and it will be up to him to review those documents and make determinations about whether DOJ can use them. 
Ultimately, Trump can delay, but he can't deny DOJ's criminal investigation. And in many ways, what he's doing, and, and you'll have to forgive me, I've already used bench slapped, which is a term of endearment among appellate lawyers. <laughs> but, you know, Trump is very close to committing one of the most serious um, crimes that my ATF special agent in, in charge, Jim Cavanaugh, who you know, used to tell me that defendants sometimes do, and that's the crime of pissing off the police. And here where DOJ has bent over backwards to give the former president every opportunity to return documents that he shouldn't have in his possession, that it's dangerous for the country to him to be cavalierly strewing about his beach club, he's had every opportunity to do the right thing. He hasn't. And instead, what he's done is he's made it difficult for DOJ to assess the damage, to get the country back on a more secure path. And ultimately, DOJ may decide to make him pay the price for that. Because when we look at these cases that involve classified materials, the cases that get prosecuted are the cases that involve someone who hangs on to classified material they shouldn't have. And then there's a plus factor, whether it's trying to destroy those materials or whether it's this attenuated pattern of obstruction of justice that Trump has engaged in. At some point, he buys himself a prosecution with his own conduct. Um, Carol, I want to just come back to what's at the root of this. So since I don't give a shit what Carol has to say. Sorry. Sorry, Carol. She's just a reporter. Look, this is this one of the things that, that pisses me off about cable news. Why are you going to talk to Carol, who's a fucking reporter, when you've got a former U.S. attorney on your show? That's the person who has expertise. Jesus Christ. I hate, I hate media. Be piss enjoyer. What is up, my friend? So glad to see you. Somebody, uh, somebody texted me and, um, said, what up, brother? Came across you online. Never watched any of your uh, videos or heard of you. You seem too talented to be so lost. Just saying, brother. Call me anytime. I'd love to chat. I just noticed that just now. As I said, I forgot to open up the phone lines earlier. So, uh, if you, if you're watching, I sent you a text message. I'm like, Hey, you can call in. I would love to know how you think I'm lost. I'm pretty certain I know where I'm sitting. What I'm doing. (laughs) Fight and talk. I would love to know how I'm lost. I once was lost, but now I'm found motherfucker. If anybody here is new, uh, I'd just like to say that uh, we like to kick authority in the balls around here. He's kicking authority in the balls. One of my favorite things to do. The Arizona chair of the Republican Party pleaded the fifth in front of the January 6th committee. Very interesting. Kelly Ward, the head of Arizona's Republican Party, declined to answer questions during her subpoena testimony before the House Select Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 riot at the U.S. Capitol, a government attorney said in court on Tuesday. 
<laughs> Probably a good idea, Mox. The revelation came as part of the attorney's argument that the select committee needed to view a log of call activity from Ward's cell phone in the months leading up to the Capitol riot. An attorney for Ward said she testified before the committee and refused to answer questions to avoid self-incrimination sometime in the spring. Ward, who was not at the hearing on Tuesday, could not immediately be reached for comment. The committee sought a log of phone calls and text exchange. Well, well, well. Caller, you're on the Troll Patrol. What's going on? Hello? Hello! So how are you doing? Do you think I'm lost? I. What do you mean? Oh, I don't I know. Love I'm, your, I'm, I, just, I'm just fucking with you. What's up? Your, your show, my favorite show, man. I watch every day, man. Whenever I can, man. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're, you're the man, man. No, actually, you are the man. If you identify as a man, if you don't, like, that's cool, oh, too. Okay, okay. I don't, I, I believe there are two genders. I, do, I don't uh, identify, I am just M. Oh, okay, well, I mean, that's cool. I mean, like, believe there is two genders is a weird way to put it. I mean, like, okay, so, like, do you know what a bimodal distribution is? No, sir. So, like, you you have uh, these sex traits, right? And then you have, like, a gray area in between. Like, most people are male, most people are female. But there are are some some questions, you know, there there are hermaphroditic people, right? There are people that are... Okay, okay. They have... Extremely unlikely, okay. Well, that doesn't, uh, the fact that it's extremely unlikely doesn't matter. Like, there are people, and like, I'm, I'm getting ready to name off of it. Like, there, there are at least, like, seven different uh, combinations of chromosomes for the XY chromosomes. All, all types of disorders that you could have where you can have male chromosomes and uh, a female anatomy, right? Did you ever meet anyone like that? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I just, never did, so well, just because I don't you, know about that. Well, man, like, uh, uh, like, I've never had, uh, uh, uh fuck, I'm trying to think You've of food. You've never had shawarma. Shishawajawa? With goat's milk. Goat's milk? It's the shit. No, I've had goat's milk before. I've, like, I fucking, goat cheese is one of my favorite goddamn things in the world. I used to buy it straight from this, like, fucking farm. Like, it, it's amazing shit. <laughs> I love the, uh, it's called, uh, kefa. Kefa with shawarma. I don't know if you had, but it is fantabulous. I tell you, my friend. What, what, what type of, what type of cuisine is it? Arabic. Arabic. Yeah. I see. I, That's I, every time yeah, I've had I any kind of, off. huh? Sorry. Anytime I've had any kind of like Arabic food uh, or Indian food or anything like from the, from the Mediterranean, my God, like you, you, you guys know how to cook. I'm telling you, man, it's literally the shit. I'm telling you, I love that shit, man. I eat it all the time. See, I don't know what anything is called, but I will go to any restaurant like that. I bring me a sampler platter. I want to try out everything. Let me dip this and this and have this. Like, it, fucking, it's amazing. 
I'm 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 a big fan of the the, the curries and the, all that good shit. We we need to create Arabic food and United States. Absolutely. Where where are you from Why originally? Not? Qatar. You're from Qatar. Yes. Did I did I say it correctly or did I did I say it that, kind of American? That's correct. I live in Doha. What 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 is Qatar like? It's beautiful, man. You should visit. The, all the pictures I've seen of it are absolutely beautiful. It's rich, man. It's easy life, man. <laughs> I might move over there with you guys. But you cannot be gay in my country. Or you there are only two genders. Well, but that's not, but that's not, Does that's, that bother? Does that bother you? Why, why are you, you going to come back to the gender thing? I already explained because this. Like, we, a, because that's the conversation we were having, man. But there, there's a whole area, right? In between. That's the difference between United States and uh, Qatar. Are you saying you're not free to mouth off? No. Because, like... Freedom of speech. Not, not that, but we are... We are well taken care of. Well, see, like I couldn't, I couldn't do the no freedom of speech thing, right? Because I like to mouth off to people. Okay. Did, did it's you okay, oh, man. over you're, here? You're oh. in United States. I come, I come to United States when I want to get my rocks off. When I want to drink alcohol, I go. I take a flight, and that's that. But if if you come to Qatar, you cannot do these things. Okay, well, here's the, here's the thing. Is like here's the thing I like about America. There's a lot of shitty things. I like to bring up the, the shitty things about America. But I can look at a cop and tell him to go fuck himself, right? And that's that's just like that's beautiful to me. Justin, let me say, Habibi, you are my friend now. If you are welcome at Qatar, but do not do not participate in these. Um, we call it haram. It, it, like, you don't have prostitutes uh, in Qatar, is that what you're saying? Drink. No, no, no. No. Well, okay, like, do you have drugs? No. Well, then, like, you you're, cannot do it. you're really not selling me on the, on the country, right? Because, like, I've seen pictures, it's beautiful, but, like, if I ain't got drugs and I can't get some ass, like, what... I can't well, mouth off. Bad. Are you telling too me bad. I can't mouth off to your cops, right? I can't just walk up to nope, him and be like, nope, fuck nope, yourself. Nope. Haram. Well, see, then, like, like, that's not a good selling point to me. Now, okay, also, okay. also, I want to point out can, that, that, that doing that in America can get your ass beat. Like, a cop can still beat your ass. Like, you've just got a good lawsuit. You're like, legally, they can't do anything to you for, for, for telling them to fuck off. But they might do something to you, and if so, you get to sue. Like, that's the cool thing. Well, just be a normal person, okay? Well, normally I'm doing drugs and living, oh. living in sexual anarchy. Okay. I don't believe in these things. Then I... I'm, I'm, how are you a fan of my show, then? Because it's funny as Fuck, man. I love it. <laughs> I love you too, man. This has been a lot of fun. You're going to visit? Well, I... Qatar. 
I didn't... Best country in the world. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I think the best country in the world is one where you can tell the cops to fuck off and you can do a lot no. of drugs and you can have wild sex orgies. United, United States full of degenerates. Well, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I can visit, but I won't burn, live. I won't live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, will you come over? You let me know when you're coming over here, and then we can get together, and we can, like, do some drugs, and we can go and, like, uh, hire some sex workers, respectively. Okay, okay. My favorite is uh, ketamine. The ketamine. Best. I've never done ketamine the before. in the world. How'd you get ketamine if you're from Qatar? Uh, it's in the United States. Oh, you came over here and did it. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's uh, it's a lot but, like uh, ecstasy, uh, right? What is your What is your view on gay rights? Um, forum. I'm for everybody doing what, what, what. Yeah, yeah, of so course. You think, you think it's hot to bum another dude? Have Have you tried it? What? Have you tried it? No. That's uh, haram. I have, and it's quite fun. <laughs> okay, well, you will you will have to repent to Allah, and He will judge you from there. Okay. Uh, okay. Like, I don't believe in Allah. Okay. You have to try your best, okay? I gotta try my best to believe. That's correct. I'm as I'm believing as hard as I can. Okay, maybe you have a chance. <laughs> All right, I believe in Allah now. What do I gotta okay, do? Okay, it was good. It was good talking to you, brother. What? Well, uh, when, when do I, I have to pray? You, you are the best. Okay. When, when do I have to pray now? Because like I have to pray, I have to face Mecca and you pray at some point, right? You have to pray to Allah five times a day. When's the you next time I got to do it? Well, I just I just started believing just now. So when do I have to do it? There are five pillars, on, uh-huh. and you must obey each one, and you'll be saved. Okay. What What time is the it's next the one? When's pillars. the next train come through? First thing you need to do is donate to charity. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Do you have one? Do you have a charity you, want, you like? You, are, you already have one, yes. Do you do you have a charity you like? I want you to drop it in the chat. Water, water, provide like, water. Like what? Like like National Defense, uh, the the Natural Resource Defense Council. Would you like that one? We'll drop that in the chat. The charity is called Charity Water. I don't think I've heard of that one, so <laughs> I'm not sure that the charity of water. You have to fast and not eat because you, I don't I don't know. You might be obese, but you also have to fast. Uh, are you obese? People keep talking about my weight, so let's oh. go, ahead, go ahead and pull this out. You here. are obese. I am obese, apparently. I got, I got a... You need to fast, my brother. I make my titty shake, if you like that. I mean... Hold on, hold on. Monsieur Bolt. 
Monsoor Balls getting called out. What's you up? are haram. You don't talk. Anyway, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for watching me all the way I over enjoy, in Qatar. I enjoy your company. I love Thank you, my you friend. Much. Please call me back some other time. Day. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Good night. <laughs> That's not obese by American standards. You're right, Mox. That was a lot of fun. No, Warlord, we had a we had a caller. We got sidetracked. It's not time for Tucker yet. We're get we got we got a lot more uh, shitty shit to do before we get to Tucker. We got to go to Texas, where Ken Paxton, who tried to flee from a subpoena, has now been ordered to testify. The Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, must testify in court in an abortion lawsuit after a federal judge reversed his decision to quash a subpoena filed by pro-choice interests. Reproductive rights groups filed a class action lawsuit against Paxton's office in August in an attempt to stop possible prosecution of abortion funds that help women seek the procedure outside Texas, which has banned almost all abortion. Now, Kim Paxton was indicted for fraud five years ago and still hasn't faced trial. I just feel the need to point that out. U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman granted a motion from lawyers representing abortion rights nonprofits, which asked the judge to require Paxton to testify. Pittman had previously ruled to quash the subpoena upon Paxton's request on the basis that he could not be compelled to testify in a hearing as a high-ranking government official. Emails from the lawyers for the abortion funds show they tried repeatedly to serve Paxton through his attorneys before the hearing. A process server then tried to serve Paxton with the subpoena at his residence when he arrived at Paxton's home. According to an affidavit, the server knocked on the door and said he was there to deliver legal legal documents. Paxton later fled in a truck driven by his wife, state senator and Republican Angela Paxton. Paxton said in a tweet that he was trying to avoid a stranger lingering outside his home. Absolute scumbag. Meanwhile in Texas, this one's kind of heavy, so I'm going to hit the content warning. I do want to say that I am very much for abolishing the death uh, death penalty. I was afraid that the headline would change by the time I pulled this one up for you. Texas executes inmate who fought prayer and touch rules. Star Craving, good evening. A Texas death row inmate whose case redefined the role of spiritual advisors in death chambers nationwide was executed earlier this evening despite the efforts of district attorney to stop his lethal injection. John Henry Ramirez, 38, was executed at the state penitentiary in Huntsville. He was convicted of killing 46-year-old Pablo Castro in 2004. He took out the trash while working at a convenience store in Corpus Christi. 
I have regret and remorse. Ramirez told five relatives of Castro, including four of his children, as they watched through a window a few feet from him. Such a heinous act. I hope this finds you comfort. This helps you. I am glad. I hope in some shape or form this helps you find closure. He expressed love to his wife, son, and friends, concluding with, just know that I fought a good fight and I'm ready to go. As the lethal dose of pentobarbital took effect, he took several short breaths, then began, uh, then began snoring. Within a minute, all movement stopped. He was pronounced dead 14 minutes later. Prosecutors said Ramirez robbed Castro of a dollar twenty-five, then stabbed him twenty-nine times. Castro's killing took place during a series of robberies conducted by Ramirez and two women following a three-day drug binge. Ramirez fled to Mexico but was arrested three and a half years later. The reason why this case is significant, and I'm bringing it up, other than just to show how heinous state-sanctioned death is, Ramirez challenged state prison rules that prevented his pastor from touching him and praying along or praying aloud during his execution, saying his religious freedom was being violated. That challenge led to his execution being delayed as well as the executions of others. In March, the U.S. Supreme Court sided with Ramirez, saying states must accommodate the wishes of death row inmates who want to have their faith leaders pray and touch them during their executions. Or Ramirez made his final comments, which fucking wow. I mean, how his final comments show that he is a better man than I. At least at this point in time. Before Ramirez made his final comments, his spiritual advisor, Dana Moore, placed his right hand on the inmate's chest and held it there for the duration of the execution. With his back, two witnesses, Moore offered a brief prayer. I'm not a religious person. I quite often mock religion, but I absolutely side with the prisoner that you should be able to have a spiritual counselor with you if the day, if, if the state is going to put you to death. Sure. Fuck it. The fucking least we can do. Though I'd like to see the practice ended entirely. An ex-trooper is missing after sentencing in a protester's unmasking. A former Tennessee state trooper has gone missing after he was sentenced for a misdemeanor assault conviction on a... He ran after getting a misdemeanor. Once again, this has been like, I don't, I don't, I don't read these things before I read them with you. You're seeing, you're seeing my, my live reaction. He f- he fled a misdemeanor. Fucking shit. 
A former Tennessee state trooper has gone missing after he was sentenced for a misdemeanor assault conviction on a charge that he pulled the face mask off a protester during COVID-19 pandemic in August of 2020. <laughs> a former Tennessee state trooper has gone missing after he was sentenced for misdemeanor assault conviction. In a Facebook post Monday, let's see this Facebook post. Oh shit. And it didn't link us. Columbia police said 54-year-old Harvey Briggs was last seen in the city on October 1st. Now, this is outside of Nashville. It's a, it's a very bougie area of Nashville. Not as bougie as Franklin, but pretty bougie. The day, it's because it's a suburb. The day after receiving a six-month probation, six-month probation... He pleaded no contest to the assault. Before he left, Briggs made several concerning statements to his family, and they haven't heard from him since, police said. Police are asking anyone with additional information to contact them. They did not provide details of Briggs's comments to the family. Additionally, Briggs had appeared upset about his probation and verbally expressed his displeasure to the probation officer. Oh, he thinks he's above the law. He, he's throwing a little hissy fit. The terms of Briggs's probation require him to receive permission from his probation officer to leave the county where he lives. Fucking find this dude and lock him up. You did your best not to lock him up and he spit in your face. Lock him the fuck up. At an August 2021 hearing in Nashville, prosecutors relied on a fellow trooper's testimony that he watched Briggs pull the mask off the face of the protester, Andrew Golden, at the state capitol complex. Prosecutors played Golden's widely circulated recording of the encounter, which shows Golden's mask on the ground but didn't capture Briggs removing it, and when Golden said the trooper ripped off his mask, Briggs denied doing so on camera. The encounter between Briggs and Golden happened as lawmakers reconvened inside the state capitol for a session in which they passed legislation threatening felony charges for protesters who camp out on state property amid the sustained outcry for racial justice nationwide. Trying to curb free speech. Here's a man that got fed up with the cops and he came back with a gun. I don't know who we're going to root for in this one. It might be a doozy. <laughs> Only Ontana dentist has been arrested after South Miami police say he got aggressive and began using racial slurs, then refused to leave police headquarters, and it didn't end there. Local tennis Ray Ramos live with exclusive surveillance. Okay, I'm down with the threatening the cops with a weapon. I'm not down with the, with the racial epithets. That's not cool. So so far, so far, like yeah, we're, we're we're not we're not behind the guy. This video of that suspect, Roy. Louis, while this suspect does have a license to practice, fortunately he is not doing so. The assistant police chief here at South Miami Police tells us that he, in fact, he has been trespassed a number of times from entering this department. Yet he continues to return, which is very concerning. No, I think he. He's got he's got complaints with him or some shit. He was in there to fucking bitch about him. <laughs> Trespass. 
oh, shit. a number of times from entering this department, yet he continues to return, which is very concerning. You called her a useless Yes, okay. Body camera video capturing 61-year-old Mark Geltzer after South Miami police said he verbally assaulted a 17-year-old cashier. He looks like Gene Ween. <laughs> South Miami he looks like Gene Ween. A 17-year-old cashier at this McDonald's back in July. What did you say? What did you say? I told her she was useless. I don't want to use the next one. Moments after, police said he arrived at the lobby to report that girl working at the fast food restaurant spit on him. Accusations police said were unfounded. He wasn't happy about that. He comes to our station here demanding to get a white officer. South Miami Assistant Police Chief Charles Nanny tells me not only did he demand a white officer help him, but... Okay, 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 I'm totally not on this dude's side. This is just a funny fucking story. <laughs> He then went on to spew racial slurs toward his senior dispatch manager. He gets into an argument with her over, you know, getting a new officer and calls her the N-word. While Chief Nanny said Geltzer was trespassed and told to leave, fast forward to this past Friday when he returns. Surveillance video shows him stumbling into the lobby where Assistant Chief Nanny said he continues on with his racial rants, demanding the narrative on his report be changed. He calls our senior black detective... Um, the N-word. Even more concerning, the police chief says when Geltzer walks out of the building, he then tries to run down one of his officers before driving away. That officer pursues Geltzer all the way to his father's Coral Gables home, where he is arrested. Is that upsetting to hear that he's accused of Of course, of, of course. He's my son. Just to say I'm disappointed is enough. And Geltzer has since bonded out of the Miami-Dade County Jail. We just heard from the 70-year-old dude's dad. They went and asked his, and like, he's like, I'm disappointed in my 70-year-old son. My God, Florida is wild. Stumbling into the lobby where Assistant Chief Nanny said he continues on with his racial... I, yeah, I don't know about stumbling. ...on his report be changed. He calls our senior black detective... Um, the N-word. Even more concerning, the police chief says when Geltzer walks out of the building, he then tries to run down one of his officers before driving away. That officer pursues all the way. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I believe that one. I don't know if I believe that one because they lied about him stumbling. Cops lie even when they don't have to. This dude was one hundred percent in the wrong, clearly on everything, but. I wouldn't put it past the cops to also uh, gin up some charges on him. ...his father's Coral Gables home, where he is arrested. Is that upsetting to hear that he's accused of Of course, of, of course. He's my son. Just to say I'm disappointed is enough. <laughs> has since bonded out of the Miami-Dade County Jail, but he does face a number of charges that include battery on a law enforcement officer to resisting arrest. Uh, the chief also tells me that he's so concerned with that suspect returning here, he now has someone escort his employees home at the end of the day. The cops have to have extra security. I mean, I'm assuming he's meaning the administrative staff. Janitors and shit like that are having cops go with them to their houses. Drake, Dustin, good evening, friends. So glad to see you tonight. 
I... I don't even like shit. Now we've now we got to go to this. This is a serious story. Because I thought this was going to be a serious story. This ended up being fucking hilarious. So it kind of just fucks with my my <laughs> fucks with my flow here. This fucks with my flow. This this was this was great. Not so great is this family in California. We have video that shows this family of four being taken hostage at gunpoint. This is in uh, Merced, California. A.M. We can see Jazz Deep arrive in a brown minivan. So I'm assuming this is some kind of shopping center or something. Maybe it's a park. He's taking his dog out. At 8.39, you see Amadeep. He arrives in his black Dodge pickup. It's down the corner. Merced. I'm sorry. Thank you, RB. Cameras are motion sensitive, and they go off every uh, 30 seconds once they detect motion. So that's, some of the video is choppy. At 8.58, you see Jazdeek come out the back door. And it's very important to note, there's someone walking down South Highway 59 South. We're not sure if the dog alerted him, if there was some type of motion sensor sensor, or some type of app on his phone. You see him come on the other side of the shed here. Right there. At 8.59... This is the other side. You can see a subject walking down south on Highway 59 at the business. And you'll see Jazz Deep come out. And he appears to be on his phone. And we're not sure, again, if he's got a motion or what's alerting him to come outside. Jazz Deep goes over and makes contact with our suspect, and then you'll see them walking back over towards the, the building. He's got some kind of a hoodie on. He's got a garbage bag. He's got this trash bag in his hand. Wearing a surgical mask. He looks like a bigger guy, too. Building. We'll pause it and get a photo of our suspect. This is a family of four being taken at gunpoint. We're, we're seeing the security camera footage. The cops are looking for uh, leads in this case. 
This is outside of a business. The dog is over on the other side in like a side yard. I don't think we know yet, do we? I think they're missing. You'll put down the trash bag and you'll see right there. He pulls out a pulls out a gun. He then enters the business. Unfortunately, there's no cameras inside of the business. So we do ha- we have no video surveillance inside. At 9-11, the back door opens. You'll see the suspect come out and you'll see the firearm. And then you, it also appears that Jazz Deep and Almond Deep are zip tied behind their backs. Fucking wow. Those of you listening to the podcast, I'm sorry I'm not doing a better job of describing this to you, but like... Put it in the back seat of the pickup truck. So that was 9.13 when the vehicle left. It's now 9.19. The truck is back. Same suspect gets out of the vehicle, goes back inside the business. And this happened two days ago. This is October 3rd. Less than a minute later, you're going to see Jasmine and Arohi come out of the out of the uh, out of the business. That poor Bobby wants to do something. Protect its family. Fucking wow. Well, this is at a press conference, Starcraft. This isn't like a news hit or anything. So they've already answered the questions. And we just we just started with the video of the actual kidnapping. We'll read the story here in just a second.
and you'll see the, the truck leaves southbound else? Highway 59 right before the video ends. That might be the end of that for, oh. California Sheriff says money. Another person could be involved in family kidnapping. Jazz Deep arrive in a brown minivan. An investigation into the kidnapping of a family in the South Merced area is ongoing. Merced County Sheriff Vernon Wonky said Wednesday they have not linked the missing family to the suspect in custody. We think always money until we have proven otherwise. So, and again, we're hoping to find out today as soon as possible by our suspect. Hopefully, he will cooperate with us and give us some information. Deputy said eight-month-old Ari Deary, mother Jasling Carr, and father Jasdeep Singh, and the baby's uncle Amidip Singh were taken against their will from a trucking business near South Highway 59. The sheriff's office announced a person of interest is in custody. They say one of the victim's ATM cards was used in the city of Atwater shortly after they identified Jesus Manuel Salgado as the person of interest. They said he then attempted to take his own life, but he is now in custody. However, the family is still missing. Yeah, so uh, if he tried to take his own life, he'd like it. Hmm, that's probably not a good sign. It wasn't a lot, but it was still a transaction using our family's financial information. So that's again with the money, Warnke said. Again, we don't know. Uh, we don't want to let out about how much because we want people, if they got information, we want to know if they're telling the truth and are accurate with it. But because of that, the transaction itself leads me to believe there was a money issue. Warnke said he fully believes there was another person involved, but there is no information on a possible other suspect. Normally, I'll tell you right now, we wouldn't be sharing all of this, but we want the family back. Under Sheriff Corey Gibson shared surveillance footage taken during the kidnapping from cameras outside the business. Wonky said the California Highway Patrol, uh, FBI and DOJ are involved, and dozens of law enforcement are working day and night. Do you, do you want to watch the news hit on it? Oh, no, that's, that's the full press conference. That's fucking 40 minutes there. Hey, Zeus, sorry. My bad. I said it the American way. When we come back from the other side of the break. Yeah, I think some of them do, do or some people uh, use the Jesus pronunciation. The character from um, well, Big Lebowski. He was Jesus, wasn't he? Tonight, the family of a middle school student in Humble is speaking. At- Where in the fuck was that coming from? Tripping me out there. On the other side of the break, we're going to hear about some fucked up shit that's going on in schools. Uh, has nothing to do with trans kids, that's for sure, but it's fucked up. A school in California is apologizing after holding a slave auction and the football team has forfeited the rest of the season. Yet another school in California is apologizing for having a portrait of Hitler up. We're going to listen to some conservative movie reviews. One woman is taking on Hocus Pocus and then Mr. Matt Walsh 
going to tell us about the gay rom-com that apparently bombed at the box office. After that, Tucker will restore our manhood. I promise you. All that more on the other side of the break. Here on the Troll Patrol. Live. I am sure we will have a Matt Walsh segment on Velma tomorrow. Positive. Positive Matt Walsh is going to weigh in on Velma. He just hasn't had enough time yet. That's tomorrow's show, I'd say. This meme is from the future. You don't get it yet. But it's fucking hilarious. (laughs) Hey, Justin. Are you trolling? Always. Not high enough for this show. What the fuck is going on in California schools? There was a school shooting in the Oakland school where it was like gang related. And like the the school told them not to talk to the cops. Like what? What what the fuck? That story just, I mean, you probably shouldn't talk to the cops ever, ever. We're going to read from the Sacramento Bee here. Prep football slave auction video leads to River Valley High forfeit and investigation. Let's get the news hit from, it looks like Fox 26, and they got a little snazzy intro too. Hit us with it, Isaiah. Right now. And welcome to the factor. On this is the Isaiah factor. West Coast where a high school has to call off their football season this year after students showed their racism. School officials at River Valley High School in Yuba City, California, say the season was canceled after members of the football team filmed themselves recreating a slave auction. It's where they sold off their black teammates in that auction that they videotaped. Now, the students who took part in the video have been banned from playing this year. The district also launched an investigation. Tonight, we talk about why didn't they know any better? Uh, yeah. On young people being tone deaf in 2022 when it comes to a situation like this, when they think it's okay to do this. Isaiah, thank you for having me. And the work we do at the NACP is always out educating people as to what this means. When you've got new generations of racist, racist, it says that we are reproducing in this country individuals who buy into the ideology of supremacy, superiority, and thinking that they have the right to make these kinds of things public, uh, but that's because they're following the models of others who make their racist uh, thoughts and ideas public. And it's become popular. It, right here in Houston, as we know, in our area, we've got the volleyball team out in Katy uh, making racial slurs at a volleyball game. Last year, we had the Bel Air baseball team doing the same thing at a Westbury and uh, Bel Air high school baseball team. Over and over again, around our nation, we're seeing young people 
make these kinds of statements and go public with them. It suggests to us that just like a forest, the way to kill a forest is stop planting new trees. If we have a forest of racists, we've got to stop planting new races in the soil. And unfortunately, America seems not to be able to do that. Now, when you see a situation like we did at the uh, high school in California, we know also black students participated. What were they thinking, Bishop? Good question. Well, I, let me say, I, I'm not sure as to the extent of their participation. I will say this. That it, it very well could have been some sort of hazing incident against the black students. I, I don't mean to sound callous towards that. I don't exactly. We don't know exactly what their their willingness to participate was. Uh, it was seemed to me that the young man that we read about in the news last week, whose teacher uh, uh, used the N-word, referring to him at, in that way, uh, that student said he was absolutely appalled and offended by it. Uh, I would hope that the stu- black students who participated in this re- recognize that they misrepresented not only themselves, but they misrepresented an entire race of people. Uh, they participate, and, and let's remember this, that historically, unfortunately it is the case, there's always been some African-Americans who are willing to allow themselves to be used as, and be used uh, in ways that are completely misrepresentative of who we are as a people. And that's really unfortunate, but it's historically true. Uh, there's always been somebody willing to play the part of uh, the uninformed, ignorant uh, African-American who allows themselves to be misrepresented that way and insulted. Uh, and that, too, requires education. And what about parenting? Are parents doing enough when it comes to situations like this where they're not uh, telling their children at home, hey, you can't do something like this. You can't say things like this. Well, we do know that everything starts at home. And, and, and parents... As we teach, uh, parents need to teach their children not to be racist, right? And parents need to teach black children, do not allow yourself to be used uh, as a race, as a, as a, you know, in a racist joke and be the brunt of the joke. You are not that. Uh, we need to make sure parents understand that it's our responsibility to teach, like I teach my children, respect yourself and demand that others respect you as well. And, and let me tell you this. If we really if we want to get down to it, we've got to make sure all leadership. Let's uh, let's watch the actual video with the audio and everything. Took me a little bit to find it, but we did. Kind of sad. It's not censored like the. So, like, it seems like they are filming this to be shown. <sighs> we begin with parents, teachers, principals in schools, as well as people with influence, our elected officials. When you see. Elected officials. They wanted to go viral on TikTok with that shit. Well, congrats. Making racist jokes as well as doing racist things with public policy, they began to adapt the same spirit and ideology. I'm glad this school district acted swiftly 
uh, and expelled uh, these boys, these students from the team. And now, of course, the team is defunct for the rest of the year. I'm glad that district acted appropriately. Unfortunately, some districts don't act like they should. These kind of actions must be punished and there must be consequences because that too sends a strong message. And also, is it becoming more of an issue where kids are tone deaf because for example, here in Texas, where they won't, they don't, many uh, elected officials uh, don't want race discussed in the classroom. Uh, they don't want any books on the show. I was thinking the same damn thing. And then you will continue to create a generation of young people like this, not knowing that they're crossing the line or that they're offending someone. That's a great point, Isaiah. We've got to teach and educate. Youth have to know how egregious these actions are. They also have to know that we own our racist history as America and know what damages that history has caused us up until this day. And w- which is why I think that uh, elected officials and po- policymakers are absolutely incorrect on this issue. Removing racist uh, 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 slavery from textbooks and the discussion of racism from classrooms is a huge mistake. Huge mistake. We've got to deliberately educate every generation on how bad racism is, how much it's cost us, how much it's still cost us today. Disparities still exist today because of slavery that lasted 250 years and 400 years of oppression in America. We've got to educate and own that truth in order to let young people know this is unacceptable and ultimately we should call it un-American. Absolutely. And once again, we want to point out that the uh, school officials, the district uh, where this happened at River Valley High School, they took action immediately. They started an investigation and they say, now this is the time to sit down with these students and not only punish them, but educate them in what they did wrong if they truly don't understand where they crossed the line. Bishop James Dixon with the NAACP, thank you. What a wild story. Going to another school in Texas. Caramel Valley principal apologizes for Hitler portrait in the classroom. Tonight, after a portrait of Adolf Hitler was posted on the wall of a 7th grade classroom. A 12-year-old student who was Jewish saw it and told his father. As CBS 8's David Godfordson reports, the teacher who posted the portrait will now receive additional education from the Anti-Defamation League. We're sitting at a dinner table and he just says to me, Dad, my, my teacher has a picture of Hitler on the wall. At first, Dr. Roy David didn't believe what his 12-year-old son was telling him about his history class at Carmel Valley Middle School. So he asked his son to send him a photo. And and there's Adolf Hitler, a big portrait-sized picture of Hitler. And right next to Hitler is is Gandhi and Martin Luther King and JFK. You what? One of these, these people has some kind of inspirational quote written underneath them. Dr. David... You what? <laughs> it looks like uh, Churchill. Here's FDR. MOK. I'm not exact. I'm trying to figure out like what these documents, facts, DB. What? I I spy like this this. 
display doesn't really make any sense to me. How the the I don't even know that this is a Hitler quote. How fortunate for governments that the people they administer don't think. How fortunate for the governments that the people they administer don't think. Huh. Dr. David emailed the teacher asking for an explanation and requesting that the photo be taken down. But he says he received no response. My son went back to her the next day and he basically asked her why she had this picture of Hitler on the wall. And he actually told her, you know, you're trivializing the Holocaust. She tells my son, well, Hitler may have done some bad things, but he had leadership qualities. The boy told his father the Hitler portrait had been on the wall since the beginning of the school year. And yeah, yeah yeet Churchill, too. Part of a history lesson on World War II. My uh, grandparents' entire families were murdered in the Holocaust. You know, they, they were from Poland originally, and my grandmother was a sole survivor from her town. Every other man, woman, child was rounded up and, and, and executed. The portrait of Hitler has since been removed after an uproar on social media. On Monday night, the school principal sent an email to parents saying teachers never intend to hurt or offend anybody. But, quote, we have recently experienced one of those times that had a hurtful impact, particularly to our Jewish community and to others. And for this, we are sorry. The Anti-Defamation League also responded saying, quote, ADL education staff will meet with the teacher for future discussion and education to avoid similar situations from happening again. Now, since that photograph was posted on social media, it's caused quite a bit of uproar. People are expected to show up and sound off next week at the San Diego School District board meeting. David Gofferson, CBS 8. Well, that's something. I didn't want to. I didn't want to hit it while we were talking about the Holocaust, but Smokey jumped up in my lap. <coughs> Maynard was missing earlier, but we found him. He materialized. All right, I I've been waiting for this. Let's get spooky season underway with a review of Hocus Pocus. From a Texas mom. A local mom is causing some controversy on social media after coming out against Disney's popular new... Smokey ain't going outside at all. Nope. <laughs> when she lets the other cats outside, I lock Smokey in here. He, he lost his outdoor privileges. <laughs> has, any, <laughs> has anybody seen the new Hocus Pocus? I haven't watched it yet. I fell asleep during the first one. Sparkles and I tried to watch it a year or two ago, and I didn't. I didn't get to find out if they got to eat the children. I was rooting them on. I want them to eat the children. But apparently, the the second one has come out, and some people aren't very happy about it. A local mom is causing some controversy on social media after coming out against Disney's popular new Halloween movie, 
Hocus Pocus 2. News 10's Rissa Shaw sat down with the mother who got emotional over her concerns for She got emotional. Media they're consuming. A worst case scenario is that you unleash hell on your kids and in your home. Jamie Gooch is a mother of three and the owner of Gooch Family Farms in Troy. I love everything to do with house and home. I believe everything starts here. This time of year, fall harvest is heavily celebrated in their household, but Halloween is not. It grieves me, the thought of exposing our kids to darkness. Gooch says there's a spiritual war being waged against homes in America, and Hollywood is part of the problem, and right now, one film in particular. The whole movie is based... We really are in a fifth, sixth, seventh satanic panic. This is like the third or fourth of my lifetime. On which is harvesting children for blood sacrifices. In a recent Facebook post. <laughs> I was a little bit scared when I hit post because I was afraid of the reaction that I would get. Gooch advises mom. She's a QAnon. Letting their kids watch Hocus Pocus 2. I believe whatever comes in our TV screens, there are things attached to that. I've seen for myself the things that I've watched with my eyes or heard over a TV screen, they become manifested in, in real life. Everybody thinks it's fake and innocent, but they could be casting any type of spell that they want to. Anything could be coming through that TV screen into your home. We have to steal this soul. <laughs> she says most of the feedback has been positive, but she knows her opinion isn't for everyone, and that's okay. She says it's healthy to stir up conversations. <laughs> that's why she had to make sure she went to the local television station so everybody could hear it. <laughs> Just not cauldrons. How do you feel? How do you respond to people who are going to say, you're crazy? It's just a movie. It's all in good fun. She's it, fucking crazy. It always has been. Then the post was not for you. The post was for people that have been on the fence on, on the de decisions they need to make for their family. While Gooch's opinion may not be the most fun. She no, that's a, that is an insult to mental... Did the cat just piss on me? As an insult to mental health, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. She's just stupid. She is a right-wing moron. You know it. For their family. While Gooch's opinion may not be the most fun, she says if putting it out there changes even one person's mind, it was worth it. I think at the end of the day, I want people to walk away with discernment. If you, you're watching this, just start thinking. Start thinking for yourself and even overthink and consider all the options of what you're partaking in. You Enjoy don't fucking think, woman. That's the problem. If you would like to express your thoughts, there's our... Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? She's a do your own research. I bet I bet she's anti-vax. I'm almost positive she's queuing on. Ain't no way. She's probably going down here and getting in front of the local school board talking about how the kids are dressing up like cats and wanting litter boxes in the bathroom. There was a gay rom-com. What well, was it called? Bros or something? It doesn't say here. Maybe maybe Mr. Walsh will say it as we get into it. For those of you who are unaware, 
Matt Walsh once called me a formidable voice in the culture. Justin Freakin, the formidable voice in the culture. So if you haven't already, do subscribe, follow. Noticed it. In fact, it seems certain that you did not notice it. But over the weekend, a truly historic <laughs> moment occurred. A movie called Bros was released by Universal Pictures. <laughs> Bros is historic because it is gay. I didn't notice it. It why is it historic because it's gay? Brokeback Mountain won an Oscar fucking ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Shit, that was a long time ago. And I don't just mean that it uh, it has gay actors. I mean, in that sense, it's like literally every other Hollywood film. And I don't mean just that it has gay characters. Again, in that sense, it's like every other Hollywood film. Hollywood is very gay, and Hollywood movies have a lot of gay characters and themes. But this movie, man, you're selling me on it. We're told because it's the first gay romantic comedy to be produced by a major Hollywood production company. And in case you're at all confused about this fact, um, the film's marketing material, especially... I am I am almost certain that they, I, w- I was getting ready to say, it's just a marketing ploy. Who gives a shit? They're wanting people like you to talk about it. That's all it is. They, this is Outrage Marketing 101. Especially its trailer, make sure to beat you over the head with a tire iron of gayness just so that you don't lose sight of how historic everything here really is. You'll be shocked to hear this, but um, that was a flop. Uh, Not just a flop, but a full-on fat guy jumping off a diving board belly flop type of flop. They were right. You know, it turns out the movie is historic. It made history by how poorly it performed at the box office. It's the gayest comedy of all time and also the brokest. And there's a broken <laughs> joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to go there. I'll let you make the punchline. Despite tons of media hype and a $40 million marketing campaign. The f- and once again, you brought up Brokeback Mountain, like a fantastic movie, praised, had all kinds of, of critics praising it. Uh, all, all uh, I don't know what it made at the box office, but that was a landmark movie film made less than five million dollars on its opening weekend it generated Ooh. that paltry sum on 3,350 screens which is a huge how much did uh what is a woman make matt uh, the theaters you know they could have made more money just by like sending a few employees to panhandle in the parking lot just an abysmal failure but on the bright side i will admit at least that the comedy did get a laugh out of me by bombing in such a hilarious way we must also note that this film failed so badly in spite of the evangelical efforts of the media Media, who sometimes commanded and sometimes begged us to go see this film. Kevin Fallon of the Daily Beast, for example, wrote... An- honey, 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 I assume that I am far more the audience for this film. I didn't even know it existed, so they didn't do a good job of marketing it to uh, the audience. You knew it existed and I didn't. I beg of you. Go see bros in theaters. Calling us to allyship, Fallon declared that the film is both historic and, quote, miraculous, and informed us that it is our duty, is our responsibility as straight people to support it. He warned that if the movie doesn't earn a respectable return, we may never get to see Billy Eichner make out with a dude on camera again. A terrifying prospect, he says. But Fallon also assures us it's a very good film on its own merits. Sounds kind of hot. He says is that um, the movie is crude, raunchy, and sexy because those are obviously the adjectives that are going to motivate straight people to see a gay you film. You live in sexual all, anarchy. Says, Bros, quote jokes about life as. Oh, honey, let me tell you, there are plenty of straight women that want to see two men make out. I assure you, I assure you, that is a selling point. 
as a gay male over the age of 30 in New York City in a way that feels authentic. Now, part of that authenticity, apparently, is uh, a four-way gay sex scene, which the writer promises rings true. I can just hear Hey, he really is selling me on this. Guy in Ohio, one of millions across the country, saying to his wife, hey, honey, let's go check out this uh, gay romantic comedy called Bros Tonight. Yeah, apparently it jokes about life as a gay male over 30 in New York City in a way that feels authentic. Yeah, Kevin Fallon, the Daily Beast, he, he says so. He says that we should see it so we could be good allies. Also, uh, it's super raunchy and sexy with all the gay orgies and everything. Doesn't that sound great? No. Yeah, actually. You go to Olive Garden afterwards. You sold me on it. These uh, types of conversations, but you can only imagine that. Well, if they fuck somebody's ass good, we'll go to Red Lobster. How about that? Because they don't happen in real life. Right on cue, the star of the film, Billy Eichner, was uh, ready with this excuse. Uh, he was just right away Sunday night. He was tweeting, tweeting up a storm. This is all the fault of homophobia. Last night, I snuck in and sat in the back of a sold-out theater playing bros in Los Angeles. The audience howled with laughter from start to finish, burst into applause at the end, and some were wiping away tears as they walked out. This has this has very sort of um, my girlfriend goes to a different high school vibe to it. I I, I promise you, I saw one. I saw. <laughs> can we can we go look at your tweets, jacking yourself off about what is a woman? An audience that loved it. I really did. At one point, your your stupid transphobic book. They were pulling the trailer because of the gay content. America, f yeah, etc. etc. That's just the world we live in, unfortunately. Even with glowing reviews, great Rotten Tomatoes scores, and A Cinema score, straight people especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. Everyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo should go see bros tonight. So you're a homophobic weirdo if you don't spend too much money and several hours of your... No, 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 no. You're a homophobic weirdo for a, a plethora of reasons, And then Matt. have group sex with other gay men. <laughs> I mean, seriously. He sold me on it. I'm going to watch the movie now. I want to see this gay orgy scene. I'm I'm very much into it. I've even got a little chub talking about it right now. So because because I need to get rid of this chub, uh, and I need a dose of manhood because we've been talking about the gay orgy, and because Warlord stayed up for it. Let Tucker Carlson restore our manhood scientists half-jokingly we met some of them at a ranch outside of austin texas to see what they're doing bro science to me is bro scientists um but a lot of it is is self-experimentation you know there are very few if any peer-reviewed double-blind studies to answer the kind of questions that most bros want to know so instead we just have to rely on our own experience best response to this is a strong politics of nationalism the are they drinking piss? The individuals who make it up. And that's where raw eggs come in. Eggs are a superfood packed with protein, fat. No, no. Cholesterol. The absolute opposite of the disgusting rubbish that the globalists want you to eat. I've tried at various times to sleep on the floor, but it's, uh, it's a bit too much for me. Cold showers are supposed to have various hormonal effects. It's, it's interesting. There's a kind of schism. They're they're drinking raw eggs or taking cold showers. You're either sunning your balls or you're freezing your balls. My name on Twitter is Benjamin Braddock. I'm a right-wing bro scientist. And yes, I tan my balls. Right-wingers are morons.
I don't feel manlier after that, but I definitely lost my, my chub. Don't drink raw eggs. I can't imagine that UV light in your balls is a good thing. But I don't have enough evidence to prove otherwise. Cold showers, I don't like, I feel like only a psychopath does that kind of thing. But if you like a cold shower, go for it. This is, this has been a show. This has been a show. Uh, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, we have a debate. Blake Masters, the Republican uh, nominee for Senate in Arizona, will debate Democratic incumbent Senator Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly currently up in the polls. Uh, I do not have an exact time on that, but Arizona is like two time zones over. So I would imagine it's probably going to happen around nine o'clock. So it's going to be, if it's not nine o'clock, it'll be eight o'clock. So it is almost certainly going to happen during the Troll Patrol tomorrow night. Uh, The next one in our series of debates, I've got a whole bunch of them here on the list. Friday night, we're going to get Ron Johnson and Mandela Barnes in the Wisconsin Senate race. Also on Friday night, Ted Budd and Sherry Beasley in the North Carolina Senate race. October 10th, J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan in in the Ohio Senate race. I've got like 30 of them listed here. We're going to do debates all through the month of October. Tomorrow night, Blake Masters, Mark Kelly, Arizona Senate race. And uh, I'm going to do the same thing that I did last time. I'm going to lay out predominantly while the candidates are talking that the YouTube audience greatly appreciates that. So I will I will talk during some of the questions. I will insert you know facts. I'll put shit up on the screen, but I'll try my best to keep my mouth shut during the actual debate portion. Because like I got a lot, I got a lot of compliments. Like, hey, thank you for not talking through the whole debate. <laughs> so we're we're gonna do this tomorrow night, but of course I'm gonna talk my ass off afterwards, possibly before as well. Now it is a Wednesday night, and over on Echoplex Media they are doing what is called the Intellectual Dollar uh, Dollar Tree. HK and uh, producer Dave going to take real good care of you. Fortunately, it looks like uh, they watch some. They're watching some Tim Pool. So I'm sorry to have to put you in that, but you know, hey, I give you, I give you uh, mice uh, going out and having a cup of tea before you have to go over and watch Tim Pool. So they love their cup of tea. Peanut tea. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freegan. We will see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol live.